You're listening to Wannabe Minimalist with Deanna Yates, episode number 143. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Corey Timeldon about her life as an ADHD and autism mom. We talk about what these diagnoses have meant for her and her family, and then she shares her amazing advice for overcoming mom guilt, transitioning to new routines, and how we can declutter and organize our homes no matter what is going on. Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Well, hello again, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. If this is your first time here, well then, welcome to the show. I am honored to have you. I hope you like what you hear and you come back for more. On today's show, I'm chatting with Corey Timeldon, a woman working to minimize and organize as an ADHD and autistic mom. It's a topic that I have not discussed on the show, so I was really excited to have Corey on and learn from her life and her perspective. I have often had listeners ask me about decluttering with ADHD, and while I can speak to decluttering and organizing in a very distracting world where we feel like we are being pulled in a hundred different directions all at once, I felt I needed to have an expert in the field come on to talk more about their experiences, so I am delighted Corey reached out to me about being a guest. We had a wonderful conversation, and I appreciate her being very patient with me as we had some technical difficulties while recording. I'm hoping you don't even notice them, but let me just say that she is a very gracious guest. Corey is a late-diagnosed autistic ADHD mom. She is currently located in Albany, New York, where she is raising a neurodiverse family with her partner, Kyle. Her older daughter is non-speaking autistic and also has ADHD and anxiety, and her youngest daughter is HSP slash gifted. A blogger, podcaster, writer, product creator, and coach, Corey shares neurodivergent family life, the highs, lows, messy, and the real. Give this episode a listen, and when you're done, head over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 143 to get the show notes for today's episode with links to Corey's website and all of her resources. Again, you can find it all at wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 143. And now let's get to our conversation. Hi, Corey. Welcome to Wannabe Minimalist. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Deanna. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. This is going to be a very interesting conversation. I think we're going to get into some topics that we haven't really discussed on the show before. So I am really excited about it. For my listeners, can you please tell us about yourself and how you help busy families? Sure. So just for a little bit of background. So I am a neurodivergent life coach and strategist for moms with ADHD. And I am a I like to call myself a mom mentor for parents of autistic children. The reason that those two areas are separate right now um, is just because I wanted to focus a little bit more on supporting moms while still be a still being able to provide support for families of with autistic children and not just the parents but also caregivers, teachers, etc. Um, so we have two 
distinct businesses right now under the one umbrella. Um, one is Autism Family Life, which is all things autism, family, and life. And that is to bridge the gap between school and home for parents and caregivers. And then the other part of it is going to be called ADHD Awakening, which is for moms um, with ADHD. That's great. I love that distinction between the two because, right, you could have both worlds or you could have one world or the other world. So mm -hmm. I love that you have the two differences. And you talk about how you were diagnosed with depression at the age of 14, but you weren't diagnosed with ADHD and autism until you were 39. So can you tell us a little bit more about that road and if there's signs that we can look out for ourselves because there could be people listening to this that have been misdiagnosed as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I was diagnosed with clinical depression at the age of 14. And when I was in grief therapy after losing my dad, my therapist had said, well, that's a really unusual diagnosis for a teenager. It's like, oh, okay. And at that time, I had recently just done quite a bit of research on executive functioning in adults because my autistic daughter, she just recently turned 18. So I wanted to figure out how to better support her as an adult. And as I was researching more into that, so much just started clicking into place for myself. It was just this unfolding of, oh, ah, oh, okay, that's why I do this or that makes so much sense. So I started doing all of these kind of self-assessments for ADHD and sensory processing disorder. Ended up self-diagnosing at first with inattentive ADHD, or what used to be called just classic ADD. And I went with that, you know, for a couple of years. But then I've always been in the belief that there's no shame in being on any kind of medication or additional support, whether it's for depression, anxiety, whatever your reasons are. So. I decided to seek out a formal diagnosis in case I needed to be on medication. And when I was going into my evaluation, I was pretty convinced that I was going to walk out of there with the inattentive ADHD. And now, as I like to say, I walked out with both the inattentive ADHD and a bonus of autism level one. <laughs> Go, that's new. Um, and then I joked to my current therapist as well. I said, you know, well, I've been diagnosed with depression and autism and ADHD. No one's diagnosed me with anxiety. She's like, oh, I have. It's like, oh, okay, great. I can add that one too. <laughs> so check it off the bingo card, right? <laughs> right. And it's like, okay, all right, let's keep going then. Um, so the be biggest thing that I can say, um, especially with women and females, is that so many of us either get misdiagnosed with depression or anxiety. And sometimes it really is depression or anxiety but it could also be ADHD. And one of the ways that you're going to start looking for that is, you know, your ability to focus, ability to organize. I would start by just saying, look for signs of inattentive ADHD, because that's the one that women, at least according to most of the research, that's the one that women usually end up diagnosed with. So can you dive into that just a little bit more? What is inattentive ADHD? Okay, so before the DSM-5, which is the big diagnostic manual, came over to version 5, ADHD and ADD, attention deficit disorder, were two different disorders. Okay. Now they are the same. They're all classified under ADHD, but there's three subtypes. 
So inattentive is classic ADD. ADHD is the hyperactive ADHD. And combined type is both inattentive or signs of inattentive and signs of hyperactivity. Okay, I think that helps. (laughs) Um, We were talking a little bit about your children, and I want to make sure that the audience kind of knows a little bit about that story as well, because uh, you have three children, and Mm -hmm. I want to know what signs we can look for in our children. And I know with your first two, it seems like that was a pretty clear-cut case, but with your Mm -hmm. your third daughter, I want to know what you're looking for with her as well. So give us a background and tell us the story there. Sure, sure. So my older two were both premature and my oldest has a nonverbal learning disorder and a toxic cerebral palsy, which I know sounds kind of scary, but it's really the mildest form of cerebral palsy. And he's he's graduated from college. He has his bachelor's degree. He has a job. So he's a functioning adult, very functioning adult. My middle daughter is what would be considered classic autistic, and she's non-speaking, so she, or what we used to call non-verbal. And my younger daughter is developing neurotypically, but she's, I would say, borderline gifted and highly sensitive. Mm. So there's a lot of traits in her that I had noticed in myself as a child. And for parents who might be concerned about that thing, what I would look for are some signs that are very similar to child anxiety. So your child may be a little bit of a perfectionist. They may be a little bit forgetful about just common things. They might be just overly sensitive to loud noises, to certain smells, to certain textures and things like that, which could also be either sensory processing And then there's just like some signs of almost boredom, like they just don't look like they're paying attention and Mm. there's a lack of focus. And that's where the inattentive type really starts Mm. to show up. I could go on about this all day, but it's the executive functioning stuff that comes into play. And also emotional or inability to regulate your emotions. Mm. That's one of the other big hallmarks for ADHD people. Do you think that anything in our modern world is maybe exacerbating the problem? Like, do you think our attachment to phones or social media, our inability, like I feel like people now don't have the ability for long attention spans. Like we all have these very short attention spans. Do you think, I mean, I know you're not a doctor. Um, So (laughs) from a non-medical perspective, um, it just feels like it's maybe becoming more prevalent. Are we just becoming more aware or is it something that is maybe gaining? I think it's a combination of both in that we are in such like an instant gratification society as a whole. Um, So we just expect for things to happen faster. But there's also just, there is, there's more awareness, there's more research and especially how it presents in women Mm -hmm. um, and females because with his both ADHD and autism, so much of the research was always about boys and autism in boys and ADHD in boys. So you always had that kind of like stereotypical picture of what ADHD was supposed to look like. It was a hyperactive boy who just could not sit still. It was always fidgeting and on the go and just all these other things. But I think as more research has come out and more awareness is coming out, that's why I think there's an uptick in. Yeah. It's just that increased awareness piece. Are all people you know, who think they have ADHD, do they have ADHD? Probably not. And the only way you're really going to know is if you have the diagnosis process. Right. 
And I love what you said earlier about we really should not have any stigmas about people reaching out for the help they need <laughs> and getting that diagnosis. And again, if you're thinking that you might be anywhere, right, like have any issues, why not reach out to your doctor? The worry and the scare that you will keep with you is going to make things worse versus just going to the doctor, talking to your therapist, getting the medication that you need, you know, is going to be so much better than living scared. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I think just has always frustrated me is that Mm -hmm. when it comes to mental health or any kind of, well, these neurodivergences now, people, they do, they get scared and there is still such a stigma around it. And like, there really shouldn't be. Right. No, I agree with you for sure. Um, So what is the difference? You talk a lot about autism and ADHD. And I think, like you said, so much research is coming out. And I think we're moving so quickly through this Mm -hmm. that a lot of us that are listening are like, okay, I'm so confused now because (laughs) what I was told, you know, a year, two, three, five years ago is so different than the information that's mm-hmm. coming out now. And I know we're going to talk about decluttering, organizing your routines. But before we get there, I wondered if you could help us break down these terms and talk us through ADHD and autism, because I know you write about this a lot on your website. So maybe you can help us break them down. Well, um, <laughs> they are very similar. Okay. They're very similar because they're both neurological disorders so they both affect the brain in but in different ways the best way that i've ever been able to to put it was that having both autism and adhd is like having both ios and android installed on the same phone oh interesting very similar you know uh Uh similar purposes but different features (laughs) what's and one can exacerbate the other. Okay. And then on top of that, they can co-occur. So it can be very difficult to pick them apart if they are co-occurring. But one of the ways that I've also seen described is that autism is more of a social mm. stunting disorder in that autistics have a difficult time with social skills and things like that. Whereas ADHD is more on the emotional regulation and sometimes the executive functioning stuff is a little bit more pronounced. Okay. But it depends on the individual. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. It really does. It depends on the individual. And like I said as well, they do kind of walk hand in hand. And when they do, it can be very hard to pick out what is is what. Um, mm. So for me, though, it's just been one of those things. It's like, all right, I'm not going to look at it as, okay, this is my autism or this is my ADHD. I look for those areas of overlap and that's how I choose to address it. That's how Mm. I choose to say, okay, how can I support this right now? Whatever that may be. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. So for moms that are listening that are thinking that either they hear a lot of themselves or a lot of their children in your descriptions, what would you say, what are some of the first steps that they should take and who should they reach out to for help? We will be right back. And now back to the show. Um, For their children, I would absolutely suggest pediatrician. Okay. Um, and to get a referral for either a developmental pediatrician or for a child psychologist. 
mm-hmm. because then you can get those referrals in place and you can start a process. Write down and document all of your concerns, even if they seem small, because they are legitimate concerns for you. And don't be too surprised if your child has an evaluation that comes through a school psychologist and is completely different from the one you have at home, because your child is going to behave differently at school than they will at home. It's just how it is, neurotypical or not. (laughs) For adults, I would say same thing. Just keep looking and do your research. If you start resonating with things even more, then it's worth, I think, bringing up the conversation with either your primary care physician or if you have a therapist, bring it up with a therapist. And you don't be discouraged either if people are just saying, it's like, oh, well, everybody's a little bit, you know, ADHD or everybody's a little bit this. Like, yeah, not not really. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of us legitimately are. and, And if it turns out that you aren't or that your child isn't, okay, great. Then you've at least ruled that out. But you can also still keep looking for ways to support them until you can get to the bottom of whatever it is. And that, I think, is also one of those stigmas with the labeling that with people have, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this child has ADHD. They're never going to be able to focus and pay attention. It's like, actually, yeah, I, I can focus. And this was one of those other things that I had heard is that ADHD is not a lack of being able to focus or lack of focus. It's a lack of being able to control how that focus mm. goes. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I love what you said there, right? Like, let's not minimize. Don't don't take it on mm-hmm. and say, oh, well, we're all a little ADHD and then thus minimize the yeah. actual diagnosis of ADHD. But let's also not have a stigma around it and say, OK, no problem. You know, let's get you the help you need so that, right. you know, there isn't that moment of like us, them, you know, separation. Absolutely. You know, yeah. So, OK. Love that. Um, I want to change topics a little bit Mm -hmm. because I know you have some really interesting tips to help busy moms stay organized. And so what advice do you give to the time crunched moms? Because I mean, honestly, who of us is not a time crunched mom these days? There is so much going on. Um, So let's talk a little bit about that. For time crunched moms, um, I always say start in the margins. So it's just in those pockets of time that you have. And don't feel that you have to get it all done in one day Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you're not going to. (laughs) And it's just going to, I don't want to say, you know, don't have any expectations, but set your expectation. Be realistic about it. If you only Mm -hmm. have five minutes here and there to do your cleaning or to do your organizing, use those five minutes. That was the best that you could do that day. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's no competition. You know, there's no big disaster that's going to occur if you don't have more than five minutes. It's just that that's how much time you have. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's one of the other big things for, for women in particular is that we hold these almost unrealistic expectations of ourselves. And... Because we have such high standards, which there's nothing wrong with that. I have very high standards for myself, but we also need to be very realistic about it. And when we're not being realistic about it and we're not keeping ourselves in check, that just sets up this whole cycle of guilt and shame and it keeps us stuck. So. Yeah. 
I absolutely raise my hand. I'm one of those Mm -hmm. women that suffers from having high expectations (laughs) of myself. I'm Mm -hmm. a bit of a perfectionist. Uh, There could be all sorts of reasons why, but we're just going (laughs) to not think about that. Just think of what is. And so, yeah, I've had to definitely do that kind of lessen my expectations. And like you said, not have no expectations, not think Mm -hmm. that it's hopeless, not say, oh, well, I'm not going to be able to do anything. So I might not do it. Like mine is, well, not try. But also if I have 10 things on my to-do list, I look at myself and go, okay, cut it down to your top three. Top, yep. What's the number one you need to get done today? Do that Ex- one. Prioritize. Yes. yes. <laughs> the priority because I do that. Like, and then I feel bad mm-hmm. about myself. I get totally down. Oh, um, yeah. So. And yes. it just, it spirals. It really does. And it starts yeah. to affect your entire mood when it was, who knows, it could have just been something so simple. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. Awesome. I love that. Time crunch. Five minutes. And I'm a big advocate of that too. You can do lots in five minutes. Oh, yeah. If you really set the timer like, and really concentrate, you can really get a lot done. So absolutely. Yes. All right. So do you have tips for transitioning to a new schedule or a new routine? Because that can be a challenge for a lot of us. It can. Um, My best tips as far as that goes, it's the same with the, the busy mom thing. Don't set your expectations too high, okay. especially if you're starting a brand new routine and introduce it slowly. Don't put all of the new components in place at once because you need time to adapt to these things. Introduce one or two at a time and tweak those before you move on to another one. Hmm. Um, so for example, if you're setting up like a cleaning routine for your, your family, which I think there should be a cleaning routine. <laughs> um, assign it in bits and you know, make sure that everybody does know what they are expected to do. Set the expectations and state them at the beginning. If it is a family-involved kind of thing, involve the whole family because you don't want to have any sort of resentment bubbling up. Hmm. Even if you think your kids may not be able to understand, give them the opportunity and the chance to have a voice. And... And just talk about it. Make it a family thing and say, and be consistent. That is the biggest thing for any routine or schedule that you're implementing is you need to be consistent. And mm-hmm. that's the only place where I would say is to not let yourself slack. If you can't stick to everything that you outline in this routine, that's fine. Don't expect that to happen. If it does go really, really well, great. Celebrate it. And don't start thinking like, oh, well, it went really great. What's going to happen now? Keep going. And if it breaks, it breaks. That's the kind of the beauty of it. Because if it breaks, then you can see where you need to tweak it and where it needs to be adjusted. Because if it does start breaking, it means that it might not be working or that you need something just a little bit different. Yeah. And we have had new routines this year. So um, Mm -hmm. as... As we kind of get out of the COVID funk and we get all these new activities happening back in, we have had to adjust a lot this year. And so I actually had to write it down and then I actually Mm -hmm. had to put it in my phone so that it would remind me because so much goes on during the day. And like Mm -hmm. you, you might not expect something to come up. You get an email you didn't expect. Something happens. You don't feel well one day. Your kid's sick. You know, so it's like, I just, I have to write stuff down because if I don't write it down, I just forget it these days. I can't keep it all 
I can't yeah. stay up here in my yeah. head. I cannot do it anymore. Anyway. <laughs> I'm the same way in terms yeah. of um, I have it on my phone because it mm -hmm. all syncs up with my Google Google yeah. calendar. And then I keep my work calendar up during the day. So that way I don't miss things because my work calendar and my personal calendar don't always sync as they mm. should. So I know I'll see the notifications on my phone for my personal calendar, but my work calendar, I need to keep up. So it's mm. in, you know, line of sight. And then at the beginning of every day, I have a brain dump of, okay, these are the things that I need to do today because they're on my calendar. They're on my schedule. These are the things I would like to do today. Mm -hmm. and. If I have the time and space in my schedule to do those things, then I put them on my schedule. If I don't, then they just stay in that column of things I would like to do, but they're not necessary. It helps me not get stressed off about yeah, things on my for list. Sure. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And so then how long do you think it takes for a routine to stick? Do you, do you subscribe to a certain timeline? I think it's more yeah. of a you'll know it's working hmm. kind of thing. Okay. Um, I know there's all the research out there about habits and things like that and the misnomer of it takes 21 days. Not true. Yeah. <laughs> it's more like 70. <laughs> oh. So I would spend at least give yourself um, a month with a mm -hmm. routine because in that month you have time to see. It's like, okay, well, here's how it's going during a weekday versus here's how it goes during a weekend. Mm -hmm. And you because know, our time, schedules are going to be probably completely different. And you also, in that time span of the month, you may have different appointments that come up. Your children may have, you know, if they're in sports or if they're in after-school activities. So you really get a better sense of time when you have a routine going over the span of a month. Mm -hmm. So that helps you to make adjustments as needed. And I would say after that month, reevaluate and see where you are with the routine. If it's going great, great. Keep it in place. Um, if you need to make adjustments, make adjustments. If you need to start over, start over. There's no shame in starting yeah. over. It just means that something needs to be fixed. Right. And also a couple of things there. First, on the first half of that month, right? Like when you first start something, if you say like, I'm going to give this a full month and I'm going to commit to it, then if it's rocky at the beginning, you don't just throw in the towel before <laughs> you know whether it's really working or not, right? You could have just had a terrible day. Something could have come up and it's just that you're just adjusting. And so mm -hmm. you have that ickiness of just, I got to get through this. I don't know exactly what's going to happen type of thing. And right. then two on the back end of that. Yeah. Once you know it's not working for sure, don't stick with it anymore, right? Give yourself yeah. the ability to say, all right, I'm going to find something that works better for me. So yeah, I really liked what you said there yeah. about both of those. Absolutely. Well, Corey, what else? Is there anything else you'd like to add for today? Yeah, it's just be gentle with yourself. We're all human beings. So yeah. just yeah, be gentle with yourself and just accept sometimes that things are going to happen. And we don't always have control. And I know this is tough, but we don't always have control over those things. But what mm -hmm. we do have control over is how we react to them. Yeah. So if it's something that you truly can't control, you can't control it. But you can control your own reactions and look at the things that you can control to make the situation bearable, if mm -hmm. that's what it needs to be, and, and go from there. Mm, so good. 
All right. Well, I know people are going to want to follow up and find out more about you. So can you share where people can find you? Sure. Um, I'm over on Instagram at The Autism Family Life. And I'm going to be launching a new podcast within the next couple of months. It will be called Neurodivergent Adults Adulting. You can find me on YouTube also under Autism Family Life. And my blog is com. It's Corey with a K and an I. <laughs> and I will have my new coaching program, ADHD Awakening, coming out within the next couple of months as well. Okay, fantastic. We'll put links to all that in the show notes, of course, so people can just click on over and find it. So don't have to worry about spelling or anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then my favorite way to end these episodes is with three rapid fire questions. And the first one is, what does minimalism mean to you? Minimalism to me means letting go of unnecessary things. And it doesn't necessarily have to be things that are physical things anything. Yeah. Just letting go of unnecessary things. I love that. I'm right there with you. I, I feel the same way. Number two, what is one of your favorite pieces of advice? Could be about routines, life in general, anything that you'd like to share uh, today. One of my favorite pieces of advice, have grace, grant yourself grace. And I don't mean that in, you know, a biblical sense. Just be gentle with yourself. And just accept sometimes that things aren't always going to go the way you planned and that's okay. Yeah. Sometimes it's, those are the most beautiful things. Absolutely. So, yeah. And what is making you happy right now or in this season of life? What is making me happy right now is I'm organizing and decluttering our downstairs. Um, so our living room is finally getting to where we want it to be and the rest of the house is going to follow. So once we have that one project taken care of, it's like everything else. You see the possibilities. And it's like, ah. Oh. Yeah, that one little domino. Get that first yep. one to fall and the rest <laughs> kind of just fall in place. Yeah, I love it. So, oh, well, Corey, thank you so much for joining us today, bringing us a new perspective on the podcast um, and just sharing your story and and helping and doing what you're doing to help individuals, I think, and families. families it's wonderful. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you again so much for having me, Deanna. This was absolutely wonderful. So what did you think? I learned a lot and I hope you did too. Corey was so gracious to share her knowledge with us and I love her tips about routines and setting realistic expectations. I would love to know what stood out the most to you today. Come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook and share. I love having those conversations over there and these discussion posts after. The podcast can be a lot of fun. And as always, thank you so much for joining me today. If you made it this far, I would be thrilled if you left me a review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews make my day and it helps me be able to book more guests on the show for you to discover and learn from. And it also helps me know what resonates with you the most. And special thanks again to Corey for joining us on the show today and for being so gracious, like I said. Remember, you can find out more about Corey by heading over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 143. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 143. I hope you have a wonderful day and I will see you back here next week for a solo show when I will be answering some questions from the members in the Wannabe Minimalist Facebook group. So if you have a question that you want me to answer, make sure you go join the group conversations and then submit your question by Sunday, March 12th 
for a chance to have it answered on the show. I am looking forward to connecting and chatting with you next week. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wannabe Minimalist. Cheers. <laughs>